Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? Hello, survivors. It is Gina. Just wanted to let you know that today, Boz and I are guestless. We are without a guest. And we instead had a conversation, just the two of us chickens, about a ton of things, including the fact that nothing is a secret, even the things that we think are. And talking about legacy, um, this is a topic that Boz has been really interested in recently, and I guess I'm starting to get interested in it too. At some point in one's life, one starts to think, hmm, did it matter that I was here? What did I do? What proof or evidence of is there of what I did or maybe you don't think that way maybe your legacy is just that you lived a contented and happy life and and it doesn't matter if it is written in the stars in any way either way is fine with me just interesting to learn about what people's uh, philosophies or their thoughts are about legacy and as we come to this end of the year and we're reflecting on Wow, we're <laughs> reflecting on, I guess, these last two crazy years. Um, hopefully everybody is entering this time of reflection with a lot more clarity, maybe. I think the pandemic has been clarifying, among many other things. And so hopefully you're feeling, I don't know, clear. And Hopefully you are enjoying this podcast, and if you are enjoying it, you are hopefully subscribed. And if you are subscribed, hopefully you have left us a review. Honestly, I don't even care what the review says. I think just having reviews is the thing that helps us with the King algorithm. And that's important only because we want to be able to keep doing this podcast. We enjoy doing it. We we get a lot out of it. And We've heard from people that people are getting a lot out of it in return. So it's a mutually great thing that will be able to continue if you are able to put your love for our podcast, not just in your heart, but in the world. Tell the public. Shout it from the rooftops. I'm not going to stop you from shouting it from the rooftops. I'll tell you that much right now. Anyway, that's all for that. Please enjoy Jen and me. I'm going to take it to all those places because those are like some of my favorite places in Southern California. And I didn't know that. So I'm learning a lot. <laughs> and um, so I took it to San Francisco to Oakland and um, my, my cousin picked me up. But what is fantastic and sad about Amtrak for people that don't know? Like nobody knows shit about Amtrak, but Amtrak is a government funded. So rail is government funded. Um it was supposed to be like the thing of the future. It was supposed to be just rail. We weren't like flying and, 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 and train travel was supposed to be comparable. Like it was going to be, but it just like, it has a lot to do. Someone was telling me like who I met on the Amtrak because you eat in community eating. So these two amazing um, women that I met told me that like, um, something with World War II and trains, the trains all had to be used for, um, for a, like ammunition, like 
the war effort. Yes. And so then it became less of a, a passenger situation. And then when flying really anyway. So, um, but it's gorgeous. So, you, and what you can do is, so I bought a coach ticket, um, which is literally like, you know, I don't know, 50 bucks, a uh, hundred bucks round trip from, but then you can bid to upgrade your seat because Amtrak has no money. So what you can do is say, okay, well, like I'm willing to pay, they give you a range. I'm willing to pay. And I did the lowest $20 more to go to business class, which is like super much nicer. Right. So I bid and then they said, of course, they accepted my bid because it's not a full train. Nobody train travels by train. And so business class is dope. And it is like you get two seats. Um, it, they recline almost all the way. Um, there's it, it's just it's quiet. Like coaches, coaches loud as hell where people are eating like, you know, Funyuns and like Takis chips the whole time and like you know, a lot of people like down on their luck and stuff like that. Okay. So, you know, I, I did business class on the way there and lovely. I mean, there's Wi-Fi. I mean, it's like dope. And the bathrooms were relative are clean. I don't in business class anyway. All right. So it literally goes up the coast. And so you, you you're on the ocean. It's the weirdest thing. You're like, this is I'm I'm traveling right next to the ocean. It's long the whole as, time, the whole time, almost long as hell though. Okay. So like, you know, the flight is 45 minutes from Burbank to, um, to, to San Francisco and the train ride is 10 hours. Like that's just how it is. Like that's, if you are in a hurry, you do not take the Amtrak. You know what I mean? Um, so there is like, I do have some shame. Like people think I'm ridiculous a little bit. They're like, but I'm like, where am I going? I, it's not like I have pressing meetings. I, I am not. Yeah. And for, for the life so many of us are living right now, which is working from home or, you know, working remotely or making your own schedule. Why shouldn't you? Yeah. It's much better for the environment to take the train than it is. It is. It to uses take the airplane. Yes. So, so it was amazing. And then I had a, a wonderful, wonderful time in San Francisco. Like I never really liked San Francisco. I don't know what my problem was. Like I never really got into San Francisco. Um, even though like people, cause your mom left you at a spree for, Oh eight my God. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast, you know that like, you know, my mom was having an affair and, and, um, and we went to San Francisco and she literally left my sister and I at the Esprit outlet, which thank God had a restaurant in the outlet um, for like what felt like forever. But it, I'm, it was a work day. It was a full work day at Esprit. <laughs> it was like eight hours. So uh, I just really in the last couple of years have really grown to love the shit out of the Bay Area. Like I know the tech bros have taken over. I know that you can't afford to live there. Okay. All those things are true. I still, because maybe I'm not from there. I I'm not so butthurt about that. Like I, you know, um, and my aunt and uncle have this beautiful, beautiful condo in North beach. And my, um, cousin lives in the, um, inner, inner Richmond. I don't know. Anyway. So she's on Clement street and it's gorgeous. And I walked everywhere and we went hiking in Marin and we drove to Marin. So I would live there. I would live, I mean, you know, who can afford to live there? But here's the thing that I think a lot of us too are, are, are really looking at most of us in my circle are like, we, we really literally can't afford to live anywhere. Like the, the world is becoming unaffordable on a, so many ways and so many levels that the, the thing of like, Oh, it's so expensive in blank city. 
becomes less sort of um, uh, exciting or like l- less sensational because it's like, look around. What what are you talking about? You can't live anywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. all it's all terrible. So, um, so all this to say, like it was it was a great trip. And then on the way back, I got smart and I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can upgrade to a room. You can bid on rooms on the train, right? Because it's 10 hours or whatever. And I was like, okay, let me. And they took my bid of, you know, uh, $40 or something to upgrade to a room. And that has all the amazing meals included. So two meals, which lunches, if you just paid for it, is 25 Dinner is 45 So I got lunch and dinner free and I just tipped the people and it was delicious salmon. I mean like this, and I got my own room and I wrote and I, I like lived, lived my best life on the train. Girl, I need to do this, but I don't live in California. So I mean, (laughs) maybe maybe I'll just pick a, maybe I'll pick an East coast version of that. They have it. I mean, I I don't really have any place to go to. It doesn't matter. Like you could, you can also take it like, they have specials. Like, there's apparently a really beautiful ride between DC and New York. So, yeah, no. So, I also lo- or have loved the idea of train travel, and I always really wanted to take. There's a there's a train that goes somehow through the Rockies. Mm-hmm. That's the one I really want to go on. Um, but the first time I treated myself to a train trip, oh, that's right, the worst possible. You were pregnant, right? You no, know, it was the worst possible route too. We went from Chicago to Texas, Ooh. and so there's, <laughs> there's nothing to look at. The train was disgusting. It was so dirty, and I was pregnant, so my you know my sense of smell, which is already very heightened, was even was just off the chain and as a result of being on that train i developed vertigo oh my god i mean it was coincidental i never we never did figure out what the deal was but i developed a kind of vertigo when i was pregnant where i had to crawl on the floor because I couldn't, you know, because I couldn't walk. Awful. And um, thankfully, Knockwood has not returned to me. And it also didn't return in my next two pregnancies. But yeah, it soured me and us on trains. But I think it's just the route we picked. We need to pick. You know, it's the route. And, route next time. It's the route. And yeah, definitely don't have don't be pregnant. But that's not going to happen for you again. So you don't have to worry about yeah, that. But no, like, I'm all done with that. So. I, and so I had a great trip. And I actually had like these huge realizations while I was there about about working about money about the entertainment industry. It, it, it was really it was I, I and I went with the intention of really looking at what is it that I'm going for in life? I mean, that's such a huge question, but like what, where am I trying to go? And, and the idea of service, right? So I always thought being of service was about other people, but really what it is for me is being of service in the way that I want to be of service is actually for me. Like I didn't realize that I feel it is good for my mental, physical, and emotional health when I'm being of service in a way that feels not depleting, but all, but like really energizing and also um, like a like 
thought, thinking about legacy. I've also been thinking about legacy. Like what is my, what is going to be my legacy? And, um, it tied into like, I was really, you know, I spend because the holidays are coming up way too much. It well, not way too much, but a lot of money on my nieces and nephew for Christmas gifts, right? Like thousands of dollars, right? I just, I, I love giving gifts. It's my jam. But then I realized that like, and you probably, you know, I'd be so interested to hear what you have to say, be having children, but like a lot of the stuff I got them, they outgrow. They don't care about very soon is cheaply made and is garbagey and has a very, very little lasting effect on their lives. And that's just the truth. And I'm not judging it. I'm just saying that seemed, that was the data I was picking up. And I'm like, that's literally like just throwing money away after a while, year mm-hmm. after year. Mm-hmm. So I said, mm-hmm. let me get smart about this. So we started a trust for each kid where we put that. And I said to Much them. Much better. Dude. I wish someone had done that for my ass. So I said to them, you can choose. We can keep going the way we're doing with gifts for Christmas and blah, blah, blah. Or you can, we can put, donate every year. You could literally get very, very, very few gifts. But your huge gift is that each year we put a certain amount of money. And then basically by the time you're 30, you'll be millionaires. I mean, just because of the way money grows. Not even because we're putting that much in. And they were like, what? And so Miles really educated me and them on the power of of the investing money in a way that is with the interest and all that shit. And so that's what we're doing. And I, I got to say, like, it tied into this idea of legacy. And, like, I would much rather have those kiddos, like, be able to use it. And it's not like one of these things where they have to use it for college because fuck it, man, not everyone goes to goddamn college right away or ever, but they can't touch it until they're a certain age or they can choose to keep it in there and roll it over to another kind of account or whatever. So, um, but I'm thinking about this shit differently in terms of legacy, but based on like, what do I want to leave this earth? Like, do I want to, you know, have, have my legacy be that I gave my, my niece, like a fake Dior ring that turned her finger green or right. 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 Which is fine. But it's so that's what we're doing. I mean, we started it this Christmas because I was like, enough, enough, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you've just given us here in this conversation is like the center of a bicycle wheel, you know, bicycle wheel. And we have, a, there's a bunch of spokes there. There's like talking about what's your purpose in life and where are you going? And then there's talking about your legacy and then there's talking about consumption. And then there's talking about instant gratification that we give to kids in the form of gifts. And there's talking about the, a lot. the pressures that we put on ourselves around Christmas. I mean, just suffice it to say, I have been on these sometimes what feels like the circular journey of, you know, from, I mean, you know, when, when I first had kids, when we first had kids, it was really exciting to give the gifts. It was exciting to create a Christmas that I remember from my childhood, the excitement of coming downstairs. Oh my God. It's magic. It's magic. 1000%. And, and that sustained me for the period of time that the kids are literally happy to get whatever. The minute it turned and it turned when the oldest one was not that old. Yeah. I'm going to say like seven. Yeah. Yeah. And he, 
they had a bunch of presents and they opened everything up. And then he said, is that it? Yeah. And I went, oh, damn, we're doing this wrong. We're doing it completely wrong. And so we've had a few Christmases, and this is one of them, where we're not doing gifts, um, which is to say there will be stockings, you know, and maybe one little thing, but we're not doing the multiple presents under the trees. We didn't do multiple, any presents for Hanukkah because of exactly what you said. Toys is just 15 minutes of joy for a lifetime, literally a lifetime of trash that I then, then it becomes my job to get rid of, organize, find a space for blah, 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 blah. Um, and now the kids are pretty much almost all of them at an age where they don't want any of those things anymore. They want money. Yeah. They want electronics. Yeah. They want, so we have, the way that we save money for them is not in the, for like Christmas, but um, that's actually a really good idea and something I'm going to bring up with my husband. I because... mean, yeah. I mean, for those of us, I think it's a great idea. And also it's, it's so much easier, not easy. Well, I don't know for miles and I don't have kids. So we, it's not in our face all the time and we moved away from them. It's a different story when you're in under the same roof with being with children, with beings, small beings that, you know, are in you. So, I, I am very aware that we have like the, we're the aunt and uncle. It's a different, it's a different deal, but like, we just thought, wait a minute. Wait yeah. A minute. And the thing that you're really after when you give a gift, or at least I think is the joy that it brings to the person. And, and that's great. But like you're saying, most of the time it's a, it's a very fleeting and also, like, you don't want to teach kids that this is the way to derive your joy, right? Like, from getting things, right? And I'm not saying that that's that that's what you're definitely doing if you give Christmas presents. I'm not saying that, but you know, we just live in this very like consumer oriented culture. It's not even the kids' fault. It's like nobody's fault. It's a system. It's a systemic situation. But it hit me last when I really when I really was like, okay, I want to do this differently. Was last Christmas. <sighs> My youngest niece wanted and got, and it, it, it is not knocking anyone involved, but it was very clear to me that we, it was really stark about what was going on. She wanted a claw machine, a mini claw machine from an arcade that literally just had mm -hmm. candy in it, candy bars. Mm. And you, mm. and it made this dun, 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 loudest noise you've ever heard. Took 10 batteries, 10 big ass batteries, and literally there's candy in it that's killing us all the sugar. And look, you know, whatever. That was the least of my worries. But I was like, this is, wait, what? That's interesting. That hit that's me very interesting. as, wait. And it was a, probably a really expensive machine. It's not cheap. But that's what she wanted. My sister got it. And look, I'm not knocking anyone involved. But for me, I was like, it was so so striking about what was going on because it was so loud and obnoxious let me ask you this what do you remember getting for christmas okay my favorite thing i ever got this is so crazy in my life when i was a kid a kid was okay two things i can tell the first gift that i like went gaga goo goo over <laughs> was something it was a makeup kit called fresh and fancy 
and it had <laughs> it had perfumes it had and it was probably you know 9.99 at kmart but like my sister and i each got one and it what what it was was super fun super adult super smelled so good and i there is a picture of me opening it up and in in my i'm saying fresh and fancy and then i take the picture oh i do you have that picture yeah, Exce- yeah. accessible yeah i think so I can send it. Uh, send it. Send it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I will send that. And and so fresh and fancy. Okay, that was number one. And then the second gift I remember as an adult getting that was really moving to me was my mother, who traveled all the time and who I really sort of labeled as a selfish kind of a human at times, um, gave my sister and I each a ticket, a plane ticket to go anywhere in the world. Cause she had so many miles, but like the oh, fact yeah. that she, she thought about us and the fact that her travel, which as a child brought so much grief to me because she was gone all the time that she was then turning it around and giving my sister and I each a plane ticket to anywhere was really moving to me and also was really abundant and felt like that's awesome. You know, is that when you went to Columbia? No, that's when I went to oh. Prague by myself for a week and a half, which was insane or two weeks. It was crazy, but, Oh, you never, yeah. Did you ever tell me about it was this? in when I lived in LA, it was a long time ago. So, and I, 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 it's just so, I wish I had gone with somebody else. It was the most lonely. It was beautiful and Prague is crazy and, and fun, but it, I went alone, but that's like really just indicative of where I was at in my LA life. So it doesn't, that's not shocking yeah. to me. What about you? Like, what do you remember being like, Oh my God. I got a speak and spell. I, I really, I really coveted a speak and spell. Um, and for those of you who don't know, a speak and spell is just would be an app now and it wouldn't be nearly as fun. This was a self-contained, it was like a really thick version, like a three inch thick version, maybe no, or two of an iPad. Yep. And it was orange and it had a handle built into the top and it would say a word in a computerized voice like, structure and then you'd have to spell it and if you got to write <laughs> this is so this set tells you a lot about my psychology the high i got yes. from that little sound telling me i spelled something right i just felt like i could i was vanquishing rome it was i felt so powerful that i got a bike one year that was amazing and i kind of lip gloss that um smelled like root beer oh i know that those are the things that just like off the top of my head i remember just falling in love with and and being you know unequivocally joyful happy christmas moments and that's the thing that you're always after like for yourself for the people that you love you want to impart this joy that's what i was going to get to like you want to impart this joy and then there's this tacit thing about like you better feel joy from this (laughs) at least that's what I find myself you know evaluating whether or not the person is feeling joy from it because that's what I want I want to give them joy in the form of this present and then I feel sad if it doesn't work out like yeah and 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 um and it it usually doesn't work out like that only because people aren't mind readers people don't everyone's different and um joy is so so personal and so so specific to that person it's like 
it's just such a setup, but it's also, we keep trying and I'm going to still, I still love giving presents, but I now am like, oh, okay. It can't be for me, like the mass quantity of just. Yeah. Crap. Like, and the, it really mm-hmm. hit me too. Like I bought one year, my niece was really into Shopkins. You remember Shopkins? Oh yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I bought like $200 worth of Shopkins for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she lasted for that year. And then she Ma- just never picked up Shopkins. Never the back. whole, not even the whole year, maybe a month. <sighs> That's the thing, man. They get, and they get, and I, I, I was going to say this is especially true for girls, but I'm, I'm going to re- revise that because the boys did it too. Um, when they love that thing, it's all they care about. It's their whole world. You know, my daughter said to me, all I want, the only thing yeah. I want you to get me is just tons and tons of poppets. What's a poppet? A poppet is a pl- silicone flat toy that has these um, uh, half, hmm, a, a hemisphere, a half a hemisphere yeah, yeah. that you put like you it's a satisfying sensation to push it in and then you flip it over and push it the other way. Shut your mouth. I'm What's totally in them? What's in the poppet? Like a little creatures? Z- zero, nothing. It's in the shape of whatever you want it to be in the shape of. It's a fidget toy, essentially. I understand. It's like an but- ASMR sounding totally tactile. Yeah. It, it doesn't make a sound. It's, it's all about it being tactile. Yeah. And, and you know, Wow. You go to the stores and they're everywhere. Poppets. You'll see. If you start looking for now, you'll see that they're everywhere. And so that's what she wants. And half of me completely wants to indulge that wish. And the other half of me says, I'll be throwing these all away in six months. And then I'll feel like an asshole because I spent a bunch of money on something that I knew was a a fool's errand. Yeah, right. It's like so hard because they really believe. They really want it. They, they really I mean, it's not, it it's, not really jo- it. it's not a joke. It's not it's not a joke. Like that's their jam. Yeah. So this year that we're going skiing for Christmas. That's our like which part of New Hampshire? We're going to Vermont. Vermont. Okay. And I think I've told everybody on the podcast. I do not That's ski. right. You like the ski lodge and to write. Yes, ma'am. So I go and I get everybody off in the morning to their little activities. And it's, a, as you know, a huge amount of work, the, the gear and the schlepping. So I help everybody get to that. And I get back to my little cozy spot and read and write and, and just hang out. That and relax. sounds so I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's the thing that people I, I, I'm banking on because this will be the third time we've done a trip instead of presents. And, and these are trips that we still talk about. So I, I think it is a good investment. Experiences are a better investment than things. I I absolutely agree. And I feel like that's the trust starting for these kids. It's like we're gifting them with the experience of maybe like a down payment on a freaking home, a car to get them from here to there, a education, like a real thing, like a thing that you need to like live your life yes. Yes, versus a freaking fake Cuban links chain. I don't even know what Cuban links were. I, I didn't know what was happening. Wait, I don't know what that is. What is so that? So Cuban links. I oh those big yes, ass, and like they yeah, uh-huh. Yeezy and shoes. They were, I, I it's so. Oh my god. And I it's just ugly, and it's also six thousand six thousand dollars. What are you talking about? 
Anyway. Oh my god. I, you you just did yourself such a favor. I mean, you did them yeah. mostly a favor, but you did yourself such a favor because also the other thing is, you know, I have the experience. I go out shopping and I'm immediately overwhelmed. Um, and I'm trying. Okay, now this yeah. one I got this. Yes, this, yes. Who gets what? And did is it equal? Uh, and like. <sighs> Oh my God. It's just, it's like a, it's a hell. It's just one of the <laughs> I think circles right. of hell. It is like hell. Hey, let me run this by you. Okay. I, I thought we might start out with, I got some feedback on the, okay. So my, on the podcast from, um, so my, my parents, best friends, Nancy and Dave, they like helped raise me and blah, 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 blah. And they've really become like second parents. And, um, you know, they, they hadn't heard the podcast. So they were like, send us an episode. And I said, okay. And you know, it's always tricky because they really know me. They really know my parents. They really know my life in some ways in my childhood. So I was like, well, so I sent them an episode. I sent them the, um, dismulsion Huganacker episode because Dave is a therapist and he works with people with addictions. And I thought, oh, that might be interesting. And so the feedback is so interesting. The feedback I got was, um, I'll read it on air because it's good. It said, podcast, podcast was good. Felt like a reunion. Sounds like David was deep into self-destruction before he recovered. A talented guy. Was hoping to hear more from you. But that's for selfish reasons. I like how you identified the macro themes in your roundup at the end. And then I wrote, um, thank you so much. Um, we're, we, Gina and I are always aware that like, like, you know, we don't want it just to be us and we don't want it just to be guests. So we're trying to find a mix. Um, so his feedback, it's so funny. He like, he likes to give feedback, you know? If you and Gina are willing to talk about what life experiences brought you to embrace the arts and try and make a decent living, I like the way you have reconstructed your family life so that you don't have to be an emotional casualty. There's a lot to talk about how you both learn to think from, from psychodynamic and systems orientation. I don't even know what that means. I'm not smart enough. The best stories are the stuff of good soap operas. Good screenwriting can teach people how to better understand and navigate within their interpersonal worlds. I'd like to hear another one if you don't mind the feedback. So, okay, Dave. Okay, Dave. Okay, I see, we see you, Dave. So he, he you. loves our inter, you know, he's he's a therapist, obviously, so he loves that. But it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, and I seriously don't mean, know what half of that means. But, um. Like I just no, he just means no, he just means like the thing. I mean, here here's this big secret that we've never told anybody. This podcast is not really about theater, school. right? <laughs> right. And so what he's saying is this: the the psychodynamic for um you know background that we have influences and informs our conversation, so that we we think about things dynamically. Ah. And that's it. And that would be interesting to a therapist. Yeah, because a therapist thinks about things dynamically too. And yeah, I mean, honestly, it, there's so much, it's so, there's always so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about, like, and I, well, the thing I, this ties into the thing that I kind of wanted to talk to you about, which is that when we first started recording a podcast, it was not, I survived theater school. We were calling undeniable. Oh, that's right. That's right. And we had about eight, you know, hour long conversations that were about this 
concept of being undeniable. So I kind of wanted to clarify for people who may not know, why is our company called Undeniable? Why Ah. is that the website? Because when you told the great story about it, um, we didn't ever air that. Oh, we didn't? So, no, because it was... It was part of that other... Oh, that we never found and I tried to send to you and then it got... No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, we recorded those and then we changed our mind about what the podcast was. Right, Yes. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Oh, should we tell the story? Yeah, please Okay, so it's so funny because I wonder if he ever heard this, if he would even remember. You know, it's so funny. Like, who remembers telling people what? All right. So the story is this. So I... Well, first, to say that, like you and I were talking about like, what, what is the thing of life? Like what, again, where I'm at now, which is what are we going after? Right? Like, what is the quality of life that I'm going after that you're going after that we're going after as a team? Okay. So it reminded me of this story of, I did a solo show um, and it was called, why not me love cancer and Jack white. And the woman who was, and it was a solo show basically about cancer and about working for Nick Cage and all kinds of things. Just like I survived theater school. It's not about theater school. It was not really about Jack white, my show, you know, it's whatever. So, okay. So I'm doing this show and my, the director of my show is this woman named Allison Lyon. And she happens to be good friends with the comedian and storyteller and actor Jeff Garland, who I I didn't know from Adam. Like, I wasn't a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, so I didn't know. But I knew he of him, and I knew he's like a famous guy, right? So she said, you know, how would you feel about Jeff Garland coming to see a dress rehearsal and giving notes? And I was like, oh, sure. L- literally being like, oh, a famous person wants to come see my show. That's cool. You know, not like what can I glean from this artist, you know, just cause that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> right, where my right. mind went. I would have been the yeah, same. Yeah. I, I mean, I just am not mature enough or whatever. So, okay. So I do the, and it was, it was real nerve wracking and it was an empty house, but him, he and Allison were sitting up there uh, at stage seven, seven, three on Belmont in Chicago. And so I did the show and whatever, and it was an okay show. I mean, I look, I don't know, but um, afterwards, it was such an interesting story. Afterwards, he was giving notes to Allison, but not me. And I thought, well, that's weird, but he was really there for her. That was her mentor kind of, you know, her comedy mentor. But then I came out of the house into the house and met and met Jeff and he was lovely. And he said, well, do you want notes? Or somehow it came up like, do I want actor notes? And I was like, of course, which is shocking to me because I never want notes. Right. And I always say, um, I would love feedback. And by feedback, I mean, compliments. Like that's my, yeah, right, 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 but I did say, of course, because that's what you say when a fancy person wants to give you notes. And he gave me some great notes, which was stop swearing so much. And he compared me to Robin Williams, which was amazing. He said, because you, I could, he called him by his first name. I do believe he was like, when Robin would swear a lot, I would know that he was, he was, he was dying on stage. He was off. Yeah. Yeah. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's fascinating or pushing. Like I push when I'm swearing. Okay. Great note. I've, I've kept that note and blah, 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 blah. All right. So then, then. I have to tell this because it's so interesting because I would have done the same thing. So then after he gave notes, 
which I kind of blacked out some of them because it was a lot. But then he and Allison were going to go out to eat at Clark's on Belmont, but they didn't invite me. Right. And I was like, oh, and then I was in the bathroom and Allison called and she's like, I'm an idiot. I didn't invite you. Do you want to come? And I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. She And I think what happens is when you're around famous people, you forget. You lose your senses. Yeah. It's very weird. It's a weird thing. I mm-hmm. think that's what happened for her. So we went to Clark's on Belmont and he, um, we talked, he's so, um, um, what is he? He's, he's a bit generous. No. He's a, no, okay. he's a big personality. So he takes over rooms, right? Oh, so at Clark's, right, right, he's right. the center of the show. And it, it is not anything he's, quote, doing. It's just that's how some people are. Like, he's not trying to lay low. Right. He's not trying to lay low. And he also <laughs> loves people, I think, and loves human interaction. I mean, from what I know. But we got into this conversation. And somehow, and he said, and he said to me, we were talking about acting and we were talking, he said, I'm going to make a movie and you're going to be in it one day. And I said, that's fantastic. I love that. That's great. That sounds great. And then we talked about other stuff. And and then he said, you know what you are? And I said, what? And he said, you are undeniable. And I was like, what is even happening? And I was like, okay, thanks. Great. He's like, no, no, no. You're undeniable. Like that show is undeniable. And I was like, what does that mean? And he said, well, it just means that like it exists in its truest form unapologetically. And I'm totally paraphrasing here, of course, but it was like, it exists in its truest form. It's just is, you don't have to like it. You don't have to like you. You don't have to like what you're saying, but there is a quality that cannot be taken away about this show. It's more than unique. It's more than that. It's undeniable. You don't have to like it. You don't have to dislike it, but it, it exists on its own and it cannot be, basically it cannot be fucked with in, in, in that way, you know? And I was like, whoa, that is awesome. And that I feel, feel like is what I'm going for in my life. Yeah. And, and when you told the story before, you, you also said that, that he said, you know, be undeniable, yes. like continue to be undeniable because that, that is ultimately the only thing that lasts yes. in terms of, you know, the industry or whatever. Um, and as long as you're holding true to, you know, your own undeniable truth or whatever, you can, you know, you can't go wrong. It, it may not mean that you whatever get famous, right. fortune, but, but you'll be doing, you'll be on the right track. Yeah, Like you, you won't be led astray by your undeniability. Like you, you won't be, it won't be, you won't go in the wrong direction for too long. If you use undeniability as your North star kind of a thing. And it really, and he, he later told Allison, you know, she's, you know, he kept reiterating, like she's undeniable, she's undeniable. And he, and Allison had told me, and I, of course, because, you know, I just figure people say that about everybody. And Allison said, no, he does not do that. And also he stands by his word. So you will one day be in a movie with Jeff Garland. And I was like, cool, great. That's fine. But I, it's interesting looking back on the story. It's like, I wish everyone is so scared. Like, I wish that I would have used those quotes in my press, but Allison didn't want to use them because she felt she was already asking too. we're all, we always feel like we're asking too much. So oh she felt gosh, that she, she was asking too much, just having him come to the show and having him give notes was enough and having him. And I remember at the time I had a musician as part of the show 
you know, his name is Philip Michael Scales. He's amazing. And he was like, we should totally use Garland's quotes to get more people to come to the show. And both Allison and I, it's interesting, both Allison and I were like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, he's done enough. You know, it's just so like, yeah, like, and I'll, I'll do to Allison. I would have made probably the same choice, but you know, it's like, what are we so afraid right. of? What skin is it off of right. his nose? If you say that he said something that he said, right. you know what I mean? It's not like his reputation is living or dying on your show. It's just, I mean, yeah, I would have yeah. done the same thing it's, too. And, and, and I did do the, the same thing. That's the mentality that we've talked about so much on here. And it's definitely true for Hollywood, entertainment, whatever. But it may also just be true for life that we, we kind of inherently have this idea that there's a, a finite pie. Sure. And, you know, it's kind of like the people who think that only whatever, 7,000 people are going to heaven, you know? Like, right. <laughs> what kind of cockamamie thing is that? Like, you believe in heaven? You believe that all of this is God's plan? And that people have been alive for millions of years and yet only 7,000 people. Like, yeah. Right. That, that to me is like a perfect evidence of the way in which we make ourselves and our, and the possibility so much smaller yes. than they need to be. Yes. So you think there's a finite amount of pie and you say, well, I can't take my one one thousandth of a sliver, at, you know, that's Jeff Garland because then there won't be any Jeff Garland left. Like that's just simply not how it works. It's just simply, you know, anyway, the reason I said generous is because, um, I mean, you know, whatever, he has a friendship with her, but, but offering the feedback to you and then offering this truth about yeah. identifying your undeniability, which I'm guessing was one is one of the things that you carry with you. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, I do think, I do think that he's, that that was very generous of him, like, and, and I do think that he, and I do carry it with me and, and it obviously had an effect on me because I tell the story and because, you know, we, then you and I started a whole company around the idea of being undeniable, but like, and yeah, it, it really was like an affirmation, right. To just fucking pick a side already. Like, like take mm -hmm. a stand, like do something like do the, 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 the go boldly in one direction because this sort of this sort of wishy-washy trying to please everybody um it, it it not only does it not it's not it's a totally unpleasant it actually doesn't work for the thing that you think you want like if you want notoriety power fame fortune you have to pick a side at some point okay but mm -hmm. if you also want to feel good and be led like we're saying by your north star you could, you could use your undeniability as a North star to eventually may not sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly to get to a place where you really feel like you're doing right by yourself. If you follow your undeniability, whatever that means to you. So yeah, he changed my life. Like that changed my life. I mean, the show, the, the, sh the you know, looking back on the show, I spent so much money. I would say like, to be, if I'm completely honest, it was like a $25,000 investment I made over from 2012 to 2015 or whatever. And, and I didn't bring in one dime, you know, I didn't make, make a dime, but it, it was, um, I would have done things differently, but I still am glad I did it. 
and and that's yeah, and one of the reasons story yeah too. and one of the reasons i'm glad i did it is because i learned that lesson about about being undeniable um from jeff garland and um yeah and, and then to, i never I saw him since. theater school I don't think he went to theater school, but he needs to come on the podcast so yeah. we can, you know, tell him that and 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 hear more about his his thoughts about undeniability. So so that you had shared that story with me, which really even moved me. I mean, it's it's affected me. Yeah. Um, and then we linked it to this crooked, let's say, path that we made where we were pursuing this create creative career and then we couldn't pursue it because we needed to make money and we thought it would be okay to do something else and ultimately it wasn't and so the 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 creative urge or whatever is undeniable in us and we're basically having to listen to it instead of you know pushing it away yeah um and and we also have a belief that many 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 people are in that exact same position at, at this age of, in life. They were pursuing something. It wasn't financially viable. They had to do something else. And that when what we're talking to a lot of people about these days is I think a lot of people who come on the podcast are reckoning with that question. Agreed. Whether when we ask them to come on or while we're having the conversation or in the time after. And we hear a variety of things from from you know genuine like Bridget Quibido is a good example of somebody who went and did something else and I think she found her thing you know yeah. I, I feel like therapy that's she found the right thing for her um yeah but and people... and she's now taking classes again though acting classes remember because she wrote us oh that's right okay well all right so maybe so maybe that so maybe everybody but what we also talk to a lot of people who i feel are trying to convince themselves and us that they have moved on and you know what if that's true for you i I don't want to take that away from anybody but it's hard for me to believe that's true for as many people as say it is true because yeah if you Right. If you just if you have if you're born with this desire to express and then you don't then you don't do it, it doesn't go away. And 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 here's the kicker, too, is like the secret. Well, we can let everybody in on a secret that you and I, because of our childhoods and then on top of the childhood, the training that we received as actors and then on top of that, the training we received as clinicians, we are able Here's the, the the secret. We can see things in you that you may not be able to see in yourself or that you think you're hiding. Like that is just the secret. Oh, of dude. And, and I'll say as a person who is fully does this all the time, nobody's hiding anything. I'm sorry to inform you. Nobody, you, whoever's walking around there saying, nobody knows right. that I blah, blah, blah. Right. Yes, they do. Right. I mean, they may not say it to you. They may not even have that thought in the front of their mind right everybody does truly know everything yes and you're only kidding yourself right to to hide behind you know and, a, a and dishonesty yeah you're you're kidding yourself that you're hiding it and you're kidding yourself that other people can't see it and you're kidding yourself that it's working for you to hide it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. L- l- 
but it's easier said than done to not hide it. I'm not saying coming out, coming yes, clean about your right. truth is easy at all. But um, I just want to say like, because people always ask like, and I, I run up against this a lot in Hollywood of like, how could you tell that like so-and-so really didn't like this script? I'm like, dude, body language, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, I didn't get that. I'm like, dude, you just have to like, I have training, but also you just have to really, I, I always say this, but like, you have to be sort of a neglected child that then decided <laughs> that people pleasing was the way to freedom. Then learn that that is actually not true, but then use those skills to actually be like an emotional detective for other people. It's a whole process, but you too could do it if you spent enough time, but I can tell, like I can, even at co-working, like I'm going to soundproof boost so no one can hear me, but like I, I spend five minutes with somebody and I'm like, Oh my God. They hate themselves. They hate themselves yes. with a passion. They're pretending not to, but they hate themselves. And that is unfortunate because I know they have redeeming qualities. I haven't talked to them for more than five minutes, so I don't know what that is. And I don't want to talk to them for more than five minutes because I'm not their therapist or friend. But I get it. I get it. And it it, it, it is a, a superpower that I think people who really have trauma and then have chosen to work through the trauma, it's a superpower that we have that we can, and it's also can be a burden like any superpower to really see what the fuck is going on with people mm-hmm. and call it out mm-hmm. if need be. But we don't always call it out because it's not our job. And, you know, that is something we run into on this podcast, too. It's like there are times on the podcast where I want to be like, you know, this is just full transparency, where I want to be like, you're full of shit. You're full of shit. You feel terrible. You 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 hate blah, blah, blah. But you don't want to tell us you hate blah, blah, blah. And I understand that because I've been in the same boat and I still am in the same boat. But just know that if you come on this podcast, that it kind of behooves you to just tell the truth because what yeah. we all see it anyway. Right. Right. We just right. do. We all see it anyway. Yeah. In your voice. We don't even yeah. have to look at your face. Here's the other thing about human experience. So people think, I think because it's a podcast and it's not, we don't air the video that like they can also hide shit. Your voice and the, and the paw, I mean, I'm giving away all the secrets here, but they're no real secrets. Like the pauses in between, watch the next person we have come on. is going to be like, okay, anyway. So I feel really bad about everything in my life. And I, but the pauses, the pauses in between questions and answers, it's all part of the deal. And so I just encourage people, like, I want you to come on this podcast and feel like you can, that you, you're able to be undeniable. And FYI, undeniability does not mean everything is great about you, right? Like, it doesn't mean, it just means that you're telling the truth about who you are good bad ugly weird yeah you you could be an undeniable asshole right I mean, there's no it's a it doesn't have a necessarily positive connotation but you know if you are an asshole and you're well that's not a good example if you are if you hate yourself let's say that's yeah. a good example if you hate yourself you know you're never going to get to a place where you don't hate yourself by pretending that you don't hate yourself you have to start with the idea that okay here's what i'm up against right now turns out I really hate myself and you know and yeah. I'm gonna have to get real about that before I can 
because how could you begin to interrogate a problem that you haven't named at all? That's like, that's like, you know, getting, I don't know, the, to the end of a math problem without having like what the yeah, question is learning a new it. language without studying one minute of the language in your life. It's a, it's not possible. I mean, you yeah, might get one I, word, I, right. But by luck, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And my thing, and I think this is your thing too in life is just encouraging people and the reason, and I, I understand why people want to lie to themselves about it because it's painful or because you don't want to be a person who hates yourself. You don't want to be a person who feels unfulfilled by yeah. your career choices. I get that. But, but it's like, but that you are unfulfilled or you are that you, you just haven't done the work of accepting. Right. So then you can change. Right. It, right. And I, and I, I definitely feel like for me, the turning point literally in my life had to, had to do with when I had a physical problem with my heart where I was like, Oh, this is what is happening. I haven't taken care of my body for whatever reason, not because I'm a bad person, but because I have all this shit going on and all these issues and hereditary, but I haven't done the work to, Mm -hmm. to look at this. And so now it's coming. It's now it's, it's, it's a problem. And, 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 um, when you're lying in the hospital hooked up to machines and you, you and people are telling you it's a problem that are trained specifically in this problem and you finally are faced with, oh, either I'm going to believe this or not and acknowledge it or not. Um, and I just was like, OK, I acknowledge it. I need to lose weight. I need to move my body and I need to eat less shitty foods. And uh, OK, that's it. It's in my face. It's in my face. It's in my face. I'm in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> my my wish for it to be something other than it isn't. Has it helped me to have it be something other than it isn't? But my my courage, if, if you can summon the courage to face it, then it might actually be different. So the other thing that you were talking about before was legacy. And that is, that has been a theme in my life recently, too, because, um, you know, I realized after my sister died, like, it, it's all over for her. I... Um, you know how a lot of times when people die, then people will go on their Facebook account and like write these, um, messages to them. Yeah. You know, I miss you, blah, blah, blah. No, nobody did that on my sister's Facebook page. Nobody. And no, nobody. And her kids, you know, who are too young really to use Facebook there, that that's a because, you know, it's an old person's thing, but, um, they have Facebook accounts and they had each written something about their mom when she died. And periodically I check back in to see like what the comments are at first of all, I don't know 95% of the people who are making the comments cause I haven't been in their lives, but it really ended like a few, you know, a few days after she died, it ended. And I just thought, wow, man, there's just no trace of this person. Oh God, I don't like that. There's, yeah, it's, it's really unsettling. And, um, so, uh, recently we came in to possession of an unpublished manuscript that Aaron's grandfather wrote. On which side? Aaron's grandfather, his dad's dad. Okay. Aaron's grandfather, uh, was a 
you know, hardcore Chicagoan. He was a tool and die maker. He worked in one of these factories whenever there was factories in Chicago. Yeah. And he retired when he was 70, 70 or 75 and went back and went to college. And he was the oldest graduate from Roosevelt University. Which is where I teach, by the way. Weird. Yes. Awesome. And and he was a writer and a poet and he wrote a book. Now, dear listeners, I regret to inform you, it's not a great book. (laughs) You know, he could have used an editor. Sure. um, Sure. And, but it doesn't matter. The point is we receive this stream and a half of paper that's wrapped up in uh, like a grocery bag and bound with string and it hasn't been touched oh since my 1990. God. How'd you get it? How'd you get it? His mom had it and she sent him a bunch of stuff and that, and that was in there. So we opened it up and, and I thought to myself, okay, this is fascinating because one of the things that I think impels people to write is a desire to leave some kind of an imprint. And I'm curious how other people think or don't think or feel or don't feel about their legacy. I mean, I guess people do it in other ways. You get really rich and you name a building after yourself. By the way, they took the Sackler name off the Met. Um, Finally, they took the Sackler name off the Met. Yes. And oh, God. Yes, that's a whole other thing. Watch Dope Sick with John Hookenacre. It's really good. Yeah. Anyway, people use philanthropy. I mean, it kind of seems like unless you're in the arts or rich, how do you have a legacy? What's your, what is the legacy? This is a great freaking question. Like, this is the question that I've really been thinking about in my brain. And I, I think I have the answer for me, but I'm not exactly sure. So, all right. So I love to teach. But I love to teach a very specific population. It's a population that is uh, um, underrepresented in colleges. So I'm trying to narrow down like what I want to do with my life, basically. And I think I want, I know I want to be a writer, but I was like, okay, but my realtor says I have to make 80 to a hundred thousand dollars if I want a house in California. Okay. And I'm tired of sitting around waiting for Hollywood to discover me. Okay, fine. And us. Um, So what do I do? Okay, fine. So then I've been teaching right at Roosevelt and other places and I love it. I love the 18, 19 year olds. Okay, fine. I love teaching acting. I don't know. I feel like I don't really know shit about acting, but I know I do when it's mixed with psychology. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. So then the other day I was like, and then I was like, okay, but I don't want to teach at a fancy conservatory. Like I don't, that's, it's just, I just don't. So I was like, all right, all right, all right. So then someone sent me a listing to teach at community college Making $90,000 a year. Community colleges pay better than a lot of colleges. And so I'm applying to teach first-year actors at a community college in Glendale. And I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know. And I actually think it's going to make my writing better. And I think it's going to make me hustle in a different way. I don't know if I'll get the job. But 
I gotta say, my legacy might be because I thought, okay, at first I thought my legacy was gonna be, and we could track it with the podcast, right? Like, I thought my legacy was gonna be famous actor, even though, like, I don't know, that's that it is a legacy, like Brando, and you know, that's a legacy. But that's what I thought. I thought, oh, that'll be my legacy. I'll be fancy, famous lady. Okay, fine. That did not happen. Then I thought, okay, my legacy is going to be that I'm a very sort of famous, uh, prolific uh, addictions counselor, like at a social service agency. Yeah, that's going to be my legacy. But that's what I thought. Like, that's my mark. That's where I'm going to leave my mark. That did not happen. Then I thought, okay, I'm going to be, again, a famous actor, um, but maybe a solo artist, right? And, and then And then a screenwriter, and I'll get really famous as a television writer, which still could happen. But I was like, I'm not sure that is the uh, flavor of legacy that we're talking. I'm talking about here in terms of service, right? Service. Yes. What I want is to, I could teach 18, 19 year olds tangible skills that they can use then and move on in their lives and then teach their kid. Like, like that seems more in alignment with what I'm talking about in terms of legacy than just fancy screenwriter that makes a lot of money. So, yeah. Yeah, because who do, actually, I was just having this thought yesterday. If I was ever given an award that was related in any way to theater, the first person I would thank is my junior high acting teacher. And teachers truly do leave some of the biggest, good and bad, some of the biggest legacies. I remember every single teacher I've ever had. Yeah. And I mean, I mostly remember the ones who were really good or really bad, Yeah. but they, I can think of five people off the top of my head who should be canonized as saints because really, uh, Mrs. McDaniels, you were a prima ballerina who ended up teaching math in junior high. And you know what she did? She knew that I had just a I was having a really hard time in junior high and she invited me to eat lunch in her classroom every day because I think she was anorexic and she didn't eat um and so she could go over the math with me because I was having a hard time getting it and I was just having a hard time in general and so this is seventh grade um and she provided all under the guise of teaching me math. Yeah, of course. She gave me mentorship. She gave me attention. She showed me love. Right? Like, what's what more could you ask That's for? That's the legacy it- I'm looking for. I'm not, I decided, like, especially during COVID times, I've really been thinking, I think a lot of us have about, like, what is obviously important, but also what is lasting and what is, and I thought, yeah, okay, so, so I don't have a desire to like go into the classroom and teach, you know, I don't want to teach um, psychology. I don't want to teach, but I was like, maybe. And the thing that uh, like the community colleges in California, in Southern California, like I believe Pasadena city college and Glendale community college are two of the best community colleges in the country. So I'm like, okay. And it's cheap to go there. And it's a bunch of, different kind of learners and it's not just white kids that are like I'm fucking gonna be the next I don't know whoever it's like kids that actually want to learn and I I mean look there's gonna be some real assholes in there I know it but like I thought oh okay like also 
I, 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 I really, really need a house with a yard. And I don't know how, and I, I, I don't want to do it by, by getting an office job that I'm going to die at. And I, and I, and, and then try to write on top of that. So like, I really need more space. And we were looking at houses and, and this all really was, was sparked by talking to a realtor, a really great realtor who also was like very therapeutic in his approach. And he was like, listen, do you want a house in California? Yes. Okay. Do you want a two bedroom, two bath? Yes. This is how much money you each need to bring in a year. And this is how much your down payment is going to be. Act accordingly. He just told me that like, it's not, it's not a mystery. It's not an unknowable path. It's just like, no, no, no. This is very clear. And and he was very loving, but he was also like you, you piecemealing the, the, the piecemealing your salary together is not going to work for this. And I was like, Mm -hmm. and I, I needed him to say that to, to know that like, it's time for me to bring in a decent amount of money. Now, if it, if it comes, if, it, if, if, if somehow it comes from your, my getting a television show or our documentary taking off great. But like in the meantime, I need to feel like I am, I am not just piecemealing my shit together. Right. Because in addition to all the other things we've mentioned, you have a lot other needs that are undeniable and it is much your responsibility to meet those needs. Your, your need to have, you know, your own space, you need to have address, you know, that's as important to listen to as anything else. I had no idea. Like I just thought it's interesting. I, I thought that I did not have those needs. Like I thought, who cares where you live? Literally. I mean, I've moved 15 times. So it's like, who cares if you live in a one bedroom with two people and a dog? Mm, I care. Uh, I care a lot now. I, I, I really care. And it's really, really important to me to be outside, have an outside space. And what I hear in this for you is a shift from what does it look like to other people to what does it feel like inside of me? Yeah. And it's, Which it, is always more important. Well, it's more important. And it's also super interesting. And I think we run up against this all the time. Um, people think that they're like, oh, but you're, you're not going to be an actor anymore. Like you're not going to audition anymore. And I'm like, I don't think so. Uh, it's not my, it's like I had the other night I had the experience. So I get off the train right at eight o'clock the day before I got an audition from my agent for a self tape for a show in Chicago that's a, a, a procedural show, you know, and, and, and that everyone auditions for in Chicago. And I got a self-tape quick turnaround. I had to get off and I chose to. I got off the train, dropped my stuff, picked up my friend, came to co-working and was up till midnight filming this scene. It's not a good scene. I'm not good. I'm not good in the scene. Because I don't, I'm, I'm not, um, I was having trouble memorizing because it's late at night. And then, and then I turned to my friend and I just said, you know, and, and I'm not paid, obviously we're not paid for the audition. If I book it, I have to go to Chicago on my own dime, stay in a hotel on my own or a place, my own 
plane fare. I hate to fly to do this thing that's going to terrorize me on set for a day to make $900. What the fuck am I doing? So I turned to my friend and I just said, who was nice enough to stay up with me till midnight taping this in the fucking co-working space. I turned to her and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And she said, okay. (laughs) And she said, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, she doesn't give a shit. She's a writer. She's not an actor. She doesn't, but she's like, okay. And I was like, yeah, this is no, 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 Mm -hmm. it's not. That is not my legacy. Right. So it's mm-hmm. very clear. So now I'm going to, I'm just, I'm not, I mean, I'm not like calling my agent. And, and you can't know until you know, I mean, like that reality couldn't hit you until it did. I'm like, no, so this is, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. I mean, it, part of life is figuring out what it's not <laughs> and as much as it is figuring out what it is. Yeah. So, so what, what else? liked what you heard today, please give us a positive five-star review and subscribe and tell your friends. I Survived Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. For more information about this podcast or other goings-on of Undeniable Inc., please visit our website at undeniablewriters.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you.